at the center of the universe. At the border between the light and the dark stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four and a half of Legends of Grayskull. The fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Primus, Eternia, Etheria, Golden Books, Ladybird Books, UK Annual, Star Comics, Marvel Comics, DC Comics, every comic you can imagine, and more. I'm Matthew Dooch. I'm here with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? Great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. (laughs) We are here today. To break our format that we just started. <laughs> shame, 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 shame. Shame, shame, shame. But you know what? It's our format. If anyone's going to break is. it, it's going to be us. It is, and that's fine by me. Um, so. What I'm getting at here is, as hopefully all of you know, last week in our half episode, we discussed uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse by DC Comics. We discussed issues one through three. And as happens so often when me and Sean start talking is we just don't stop. <laughs> uh, and and due, yep. to, due to real life outside of the internets, uh, Sean had to go pick up his daughter. Uh, I think she would have been fine living on the streets of his town, but, you know, he disagreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she'll, so, get by. she'll get by. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, at the end there, we kind of wrapped up pretty quick, and we uh, we talked about it during the week, uh, and we just we had more to say than that, and we never got to the part that I was really looking forward to, where I wanted to do our bold predictions for issues yes. four through six, um, yes. because I want it on record so that you can all congratulate me when I'm right. <laughs> um, so we so we decided we're going to jump right back in today. Um, this episode's mainly going to be about our predictions for four through six, um, and, and a little bit about issue three here, which we kind of, kind of went through a little fast. Um, so yeah, so if you haven't watched or watched or listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to it now, because I'm going to try my best not to repeat myself. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of it, but, uh, really go, go watch that other episode first, so. Uh, pause us here. All right, so welcome back. Thank you for enjoying episode three and a half. Uh, so, so once again here, we've got issue three. Brief synopsis, um, just so this episode doesn't sound too weird. Uh, brief, brief here, I'll be. Anti-Attorney He-Man <laughs> gets to the 2000X universe, uh, he's got to fight off a group of cosmic enforcers on the way there. Uh, and then we meet up. We learn that the uh, Masters, and I will say Masters because this is the 2000X universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get, they've all been banished. Skeletor controls Grayskull and the world. Uh, King Hiss and Hordak have formed an alliance. And they're kind of the rebellion on this world. 
Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they just want to overthrow Skeletor just to, so they can rule. Um, and our two He-Men that we're following and Prince Keldor make it here, meet up with Skeletor, a uh, big battle ensues, um, and they end, they end up defeating Skeletor, Hordak, and King Hiss, and their armies get banished, and Anti-Eternia He-Man, of course, gets the 2000X Power Sword and moves on. So, that that's your brief synopsis, so... Mm-hmm. Like I said in the last episode, this this is the episode. This is the issue where I'm like, okay, now we're going somewhere. Um, uh, the <clears throat> excuse me. Let me pop over here for one second. Mm-hmm. Just time for that. Oh, the one thing I forgot to do. <laughs> forgot to grab my copy, so I'm good. All, All right. right, that'll help Sorry. a little bit. It will. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, I can't remember quite everything we talked about last issue or last episode, but I, I really, I really did like this storyline. I felt it was a fitting end to the 2000X series. Um, if there's a world where He Man's going to be defeated this this badly, it would be 2000X because of where they always took their episodes. You know. You really felt that the stakes were always real in in the Mike Young production show and in the mm-hmm. comics and everything else. Um, and this shows how real they are. Um, I get some quotes here because I know I know I I really didn't get a chance to last issue. I can find it. Uh, there's a line. Oh, if I can find it, there's a line from Trapjaw. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Trapjaw, when the, when the evil warriors meet up with the two He-Men and Keldor, uh, he says, Sometimes we find kids in Eterno still clinging to their He-Man dolls, hoping he'll come back someday. Like, that right there just says a state of this Eternia. Yeah. Like, all these children running around just hoping that their hero comes back. You've got to imagine the king and queen are dead in this universe. Um, mm-hmm. I doubt Skeletor would have left them alive, and they don't come back at the end when all the masters come back. So mm-hmm. it, it really feels like like this is the continuation. But that line there, you know, like he's just running around and he shoots them. He used the toys at target practice. Like that little hope that those kids have left, he's literally shooting. Like mm-hmm. that shows how dark this you this Eternia is right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I. I I am, you know, for for all of my different ways of how I like He-Man, that's one of the ways I like to see him the most. As he's, it's sort of like the movie too, where he yeah. he's their champion. He's their he's he's who they pin their hopes on. And you know, at this point, with with where the 2000X show is, they, those people need the hope even more than, you know, anyone else, because look at who's, who's ruling them at this point. And it, I mean, that is mean. Trap yeah. is a dick. Right. <laughs> Where's your toy? I paid a hundred dollars for that. I don't care. <laughs> just, yeah. And that's, just, and that's the tone through this whole episode here. It's, mm-hmm. it's gone. What I felt in 2000, uh, or 2000 in the, in the new adventures episode where I felt like 
they were playing some of these characters up as kind of a joker. They really didn't do much research. It's uh, here. I really feel like you know. Okay, this they they really they really did try here. Yeah, um, there's still a few parts that kind of feel awkward, but they really did try. Well, for for me being a 2000x fan, you know, like I I read this and from cover to cover, I just kept feeling they got what that entire story was about, and I was always hoping to see. Even a glimpse, yeah. what would have happened after the final episode of the show? And I know we have, there is one episode where they wrote it and drew it into a comic book, yep. captured. By Emilio Santalucia, he drew yes. it and uh, Dean Stefan wrote it. But, you know, beyond that, yeah. that's the most of a glimpse we have into this world that, you know, it ended 15 years ago or actually a little more than that now for – 17 years ago. I guess. I guess. Wow, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's long enough that at this point, I don't want to do the math because it makes me feel older yeah. than I already feel. Um, so anything that gives me a glimpse into that makes me happy. And I mean, honestly, I kind of dig the fact that here's Skeletor. It's, it's yeah. basically like a riff on the movie. Yep. Skeletor got Grayskull, you know, and all everybody else is down for the count. Where's he man, you right. know? And, um, I, I really enjoy that aspect of it quite a lot. Yeah, and they uh, they uh, like I said before, I think I touched on this last time. You know, they use that disco toy line color variation. <laughs> yep. Which, which I mean, for me, it's either it's either that or you make up something completely different. But they wanted to show that he was powered up, and I respect their decision to use something that existed back then, and it's still sure. kind of pays homage to the 87 God Skeletor, which obviously they can't... Yeah. I would have hated it more if they'd forced that into here, like like the God Skeletor, because we've said that all these are different universes. Yes. So it kind of pays homage. It uses something, you know, similar, and it's there. Um, it doesn't bother me. I, I'm good with it. Um, I will say, regardless, you know, and I like Skeletor's plan here, you know, you know, he 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 combined all those all those different powers and artifacts and amulets and he just souped himself up till he couldn't be beaten. Like that's that's a solid plan. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. I did, I did find it funny when I first read through this in, in that first scene where he says, Well I used I used the Havoc Staff and the Basophil amulet. And even me, I, I'm go, I'm sitting here going, going, what in the world? Like, <laughs> did they make something up, or am I not knowing something? Um, and, and I go, well, with all the stuff out there, I would hate to, that they that they if they made something up, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so when you read Basophil Amulet, did you know what that was referring to? I did not, and I actually didn't look it up, to be honest. No. I, I completely forgot to, because I just wanted to see where the end of this was going. So I'm like, okay, he used something. He used this amulet. Apparently it's a thing. Yeah. And I, I know we also see some other things he's combined as well. Yeah, I, I knew the other stuff, obviously. You know, he says the mm-hmm. diamond ray of disappearance and, yep. and that. And, uh, um. But what, what's the amulet? Oh, yeah. Then? So, thanks to the wonderful Character Guide World compendium done by a ton of Masters fans uh, world around, too many to list, uh, the Basophil amulet 
It's actually, you know it very well. It is Count Marzo's amulet from the Mike Young Productions. Oh, uh, okay. It's a mystical red gem that enhances his strength, cast spells, and create weapons. Nice. Um, so apparently <laughs> it was named at some point, maybe in the scripts. I don't know where they found that, that it was called a Bazafil amulet. I'm assuming probably okay. the scripts uh, for the Count Marzo episode said it. So, so even I learned awesome. a little something thanks to this comic. Nice. <laughs> um, and here again, you know, again in specifics, uh, I like, I like Keldor interacting with these Skeletors. Uh, that's been my favorite. That's my. That was the only redeeming part of the New Adventures for me. It's a. It's a good part here again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still scares me. I know. <sighs> I mentioned this a little bit, but I, uh, Keldor being visited by all these ghosts of Skeletor, you could say, you know, Christmas story style. Like, he's learning what makes them Skeletor. He's learning what roads his doppelgangers went down to lead them here. And I've still got this part in the back of my mind that's going, well, is this kind of creating the perfect Skeletor here? Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that a little bit more later, but... But here again, like he talked to a new adventurous Skeletor and found out, you know, what led him wrong and about technology versus magic. Here he's talking to 2000X Skeletor and finding out about how he actually conquered the world. And, um, and it's just some good, some, some good monologuing here. You know, I, I like mm-hmm. a good monologue. And, and it fills us in on all the backstory. I feel like I'm getting a whole nother story because, like you said, it's filling me in. And everything that's happened, basically, you know, in bullet points since the 2000X series ended. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sean's got nothing to say on that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my I'll be completely honest. My main focus with this issue was, was so much more into what's the glimpse behind the curtain that right. we finally get. And that's, that, that's just how it's always going to be because this is a section – I've said it on the first episode we we put out there with uh, the beginning. It, it's like this this uh, line. No matter what you do, it's the forgotten line because it didn't do well, mm-hmm. you know. And that it, it makes me just happy to go. Okay, fine. You're not going to sweep it under the rug anymore. Right. Like uh, we said on the uh, the episode uh, episode <laughs> the the 2000 X separation episode that we we did where you know it's like. It, there, there are some accolades for this that I feel are going unsung mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So I love that about it. Um, as for the, the what you're talking about when it comes to Keldor, I, that's, that's one of those parts of the entire story that I'm curious to see how it plays out. Because here is supposed to be the good version yeah. of Skeletor or Keldor before he's become Skeletor. And he's getting to see all these various incarnations of another version of himself. And he's getting to hear these deep, dark secrets from other versions of himself. And we don't really get to have a whole lot of time of what's in his head when these events are happening. It's more he's getting this knowledge. He might have a slight moment to react to it. But then the story just pulls us into here's the next universe yep. we're going into or whatever so there there's a little tiny bit of time maybe maybe like two or three panels tops and then boom yep. we're off and running into the races on the next one um 
which for me is it's always going to be a negative part of doing a mini series like this because there isn't time to breathe usually. Right. Um, but I'm very curious to see how this does play out with him because he is seeing the worst versions of himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your take of what if this makes the most ultimate Skeletor, it's possible. Like, that's what we were talking about, the what ifs, yeah. the predictions and all yeah. that stuff. And, I mean, one of the ideas, if we went there, is, you know, what if he has to become the most ultimate Skeletor to defeat the most ultimate evil of He-Man? He has to become the almost ultimate good version of Skeletor right. to co- confront the most ultimate evil of He-Man mm-hmm. because it's the whole Alpha and Omega and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's seeing where he went wrong right. in every circumstance. So the potential is there for him to go, well, I'm not going to do what he did. But I'm gonna do. I, mm-hmm. I, but I have this at my command. Like I have the havoc staff, and I have this. Um, so you know, it, it does open. You know, there, that's why. For as much as fans aren't liking this or giving it a lot of negative uh, reviews and stuff, there's definitely some story parts to this where I feel like, no, if you actually took the time to read this, you might actually go, I want to yeah. see how this ends. Because I feel like there is enough story still left in here where it's like, well, how would you fight the most ultimate right. evil version of the most powerful man in the universe? And you I, know, and I, uh, re- real quick yeah. for something you said, and then uh, uh, no, um, yeah. is is he has yet anti-attorney human has yet to go up against anything that's made him stop in his tracks. Mm-hmm. Every issue is him plowing through something to get to the next thing. And there's barely any resistance. Right. So what is that thing that's going to make him finally stop? Right. And, and actually have to, you know, dig in a deeper just to fight this thing that they finally can go. This is the thing that we have to fight him. Is it Keldor becoming (laughs) a Skeletor? Is it he man? Is it a normal he man getting the, the swords Mm -hmm. back the, the power sword? I don't know. Right. And, uh, yeah, and just to preface that right quick before we get too deep into it, even though we're pretty deep into it. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks to me as always. <laughs> I, no, I but I, I do want to say that if if you if you did not like this issue or this series, more power to you. We are never going to say that that that's not valid. Everyone's entitled to their opinions, um, and we're just offering ours. So. I just, I just want to preface that we are not we are not trying to say anybody's wrong for disliking it. I I personally I did not finish the Thundercats crossover so because that just was not for me. Maybe I'll go back and revisit someday. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, th- this I think a big hang up for a lot of people, and I I touched on this last time, so I won't get too far into it. Is that they they kind of. They merged all the aspects of the universe. And, you know, we talked about this in our separation episode for Mike Young, is that the, the Mike Young show and, say, the Four Horsemen toys had a very different look, a very different feel, a very different design. And this here is even neither of those, really. Um, and I think that's a big part of some people's issue is that, well, it doesn't look like 2000X. And it doesn't. It, it this is Dan Fraga's 
version of 2000X. Just like I said, New Adventures, that that was neither really the, the jet lag show, the mini comics. You know, if anything, mostly it was the classics toys. Um, yeah. So if you if you can get past that, um, but I really do feel looking at these like they they look like the 2000X. They they embody the spirit of it. And like I said, the biggest problem is that we find out that they're going to do filmation in a very different art style, very similar to filmation. And I think that's the biggest problem right now is that why is filmation so special? But I won't get into that again either. Yeah, and honestly, I'll be – once again, you know, talking to you usually starts – this is why we tangent. This is why we (laughs) radical. Because talking to you usually gets my mind going, well, crap, I didn't see it that way. And, you know, the whole thing with you talking about, like, well, New Adventures didn't look like the show. And that automatically made me just stop and go, oh, crap. Like, I never – okay, I draw. I'm not going to say I'm a professional. I'm not going to say anything about, he you know, I don't do comic books. He is amazing. I, I don't do comic <laughs> books. I don't do, do I, 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 I get paid for commissions yep. from time to time. But the, the thing is, if it was me doing this series, I think in my head, I would just draw it as I draw everything. Right. And that's not because I'm not thinking things through or whatever. It would be more along the lines of, I would just want it to be, the way that I draw it, because that's just the automatic go-to when I create something. Exactly. When I look at the new adventures issue, to me, that's why that issue, I didn't have many problems with it. I don't have a huge knowledge base in, in new adventures, number one, but number two, the thing that makes new adventures work for me as a He-Man fan and as a collector mm-hmm. is classics knocked it out of the park on almost every single one of those figures to make me go, well, crap, now I need these characters right. because they look amazing. But then if you look at what the animation is, like you said, then it's like, oh, so <clears throat> I can take that away as it's it can be a negative to people because – you know, for somebody that likes filmation, well, filmation looks a certain way, and that has been branded. It's all across the DVD sets. It's right. on T-shirts, whatever. You know, it's everywhere. Memes, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even have the toy line separate for that. You know, and and it's like that's the only line that gets that kind of credibility. Everything else is here's the standard version of classics we're giving you for these figures. Right. So you know, it's like you're opening up a whole floodgate in my head of, okay, so new Adventures should have looked like the cartoon 2000 extra had these hulking right. characters. Like we, you know, we just, uh, we discussed it on separation, but the, the representation yeah. visually of them, it, they are huge. Right. He managed to look like a mountain. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like the, the cover represents that, but then on the interiors, it's like, we're getting the yeah. standard version of here's how they look typically, either through the toy or through just here's yeah. an artist doing a muscle right. figure to, to make this character come to life on the page. And the other, the other problem is, is that they switched artists partway through this issue, which I, I don't, you know, you told us about that last time. I don't like when mm-hmm. they do that. And while I didn't know for sure that they did, I definitely felt a, a shift. Yeah. Like I just thought it, Dan got a little, like a little sloppier. Um, but yeah, it, it, he, it was actually a different artist. Um, I hate when they have to do that mid issue. 
Yeah, he. I actually asked him about that when I got to talk to him on uh, Council of the First Ones because I I could tell like the minute that you see the the difference, and I I knew Tom Derenick was going to take over, but I didn't realize he didn't finish the entire third issue mm-hmm. until I got to look at it, and then I was like, oh, okay. And for me, I've seen Tom Derenick worked on the Eternity War. And stuff. Yeah. So he's not new to He-Man at all, no. but there is definitely a, a different line to his artwork a different way. But here's here's the one thing um, that I found out is Dan Fraga actually did all of the layouts for the entire issue. Okay. So everything in the issue follows the way that he wanted to see it done. He just didn't get to the final product at the end. And, mm-hmm. and the one thing I did ask him – uh, was is there any page that he wasn't able to do that he really wanted to do, um, but his schedule wouldn't allow him? And he said the moment he wanted the page he wanted to do the most that he couldn't do was the part with anti-attorney skewering tappers. <laughs> so there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> yeah, and I won't. You know what? You talked. You talked a little earlier about you know the 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 taking a breather, taking a moment. I, the closest I got to liking Tapper's Grayskull was that moment with him and 87 in the jail cell with Tila. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even because of Tapper's. Once again, give me any other He-Man in that, <laughs> in that role. And I would have felt even more like, that's the thing. Like Tapper's death is built up in this issue to be a thing. And I still rereading it again here. I still can't feel anything when he's impaled on that sword. I I cannot. Mm. Um, if they had even just done like the old DC Comics He Man in '87 movie He Man this whole time, and you know, I I would have felt so the the script is there. Like I want to feel something. I just don't. Um, but, I... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, my, we talked about it before, but I think it still stands as a valid point. Tapper's being there opens up to me like a whole, it, it's like a mess then, because mm-hmm. we had Sideshow, and that's just a statue line. Right. And then we have Tapper's, which is a video game, but all the other ones are legit. These were mm-hmm. mythologies. These were, like, there's Bibles written to these uh, cartoons and these, these universes. But then we have this one-off thing of here's Tappers, here's Sideshow, yeah. and those are representations, but they're not necessarily a storyline to follow that would invest somebody the way that Filmation would, right. the way that Jetlag would, the way mm-hmm. the 2000X did. So, you know, like characters like that, there's already a certain amount of it's hard for me to care because – it's a visual. It's right. not. It's not a story I've been invested in since I was four or if, five. You know. Honestly, if they had to do it, they sh- if if they really had to do it, they should have used the He Man from the most powerful game in the universe because that was that was an. I, I still have that on my phone. I still play that to this day when I'm sitting waiting for something bored somewhere. Um, that is a nice side scrolling. Beat them up feels very much like the old turtles games and stuff like that. Like, and there wasn't that. There wasn't. There wouldn't be any of this silliness. There wouldn't be coins popping out or any of that. <laughs> you know, Easter bunny suits because most powerful game in the universe was very serious. It, it was. I mean, it was. It was a cartoony style and an over exaggerated style 
which also they used that for the toy line. The Masters of the Universe minis were supposed to be that same kind of style. Yeah. So there's even more legitimacy there. Like, if I'd had those designs here and him being a serious He-Man, like, I could have gone for that. But mm-hmm. but the jail cell thing, it, it answers some questions for us, too. It's, it, you know, 87's uh, postulating that, you know, the world's, the rules are a little different from Eternia to Eternia, you know. Um, and he even talks about how, how he doesn't have a secret identity. There is no Prince Adam. The war for Eternia, you know, Tapper says that his world had no rules. Um, and, and here, what, one thing was consistent with most every He-Man I've encountered, besides a big talker here. Continuing the ruse of being a vapid, irresponsible prince was difficult, especially knowing how much we disappointed you, Tila. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I have been saying that about the <laughs> He-Man-Adam dynamic for years. You know, even mm-hmm. before we met, I've been talking about that. Nobody gets that. Nobody, or they want to just go, well, that, you know, well, I've gotten into this before. No, it's a, let's go for it because it's valid right here. Let's do well, I'm it. Saying that, that's exactly how I've always, it, it's, it's, it's a ruse. It's a facade. That is not Adam. Adam is He-Man. He-Man is Adam. Yeah. Um, and this shows that Tim Seeley gets it mm-hmm. um, for all the mistakes he made. And I called him out last episode. <laughs> he gets this dynamic, except for yeah. the, the worlds where, and it does show that Adam's secret came out in the 2000 X in universe here. Tila tells you that, um, you know, and, and once again here, you're, you're trying to get some sympathy for tappers, but I just can't feel it. Um, but it, it's nice to have some answers there, you know, so, some, it just like you said, it, just, it took a moment. It's a one page, but I feel like we got some meat there. Like we're finally getting to the depths of what this comic's trying to do, where it's going, what the you know, some some running themes throughout all of the universes. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what this is about. Is that no matter what version you like, no matter what version you love, they all have these these things in common. There's these core traits, and it's really boiling it down to that. Uh, I'll admit, though, um, I, I, you you didn't care for tappers, but I think the way I looked at that scene in the the cell in particular was it wasn't just Tapper saying that; that was every version of him right. saying that to her there, and that's kind of where I I got like I, I, I got I don't I don't want to say it got me emotional, but it definitely made me like feel for that character then because right. it's like out of I mean you see it in filmation. And you'll see, you know, his father's disappointed in him and he doesn't want his dad to look badly upon him. And there's times with Tila and all that stuff, too. But like 2000X, there's definitely these moments that really eat at him because Tila, out of anybody, is riding that kid because she's always seeing him turn tail. And like through the first like five or six episodes of the first season – you're going to see so many instances of her being like, oh, are you going to run away like you did the last time? And right. it, there's people who look at that as, oh, she's, you know, she's being – there's there's worse words, yes. but you know what I mean? <laughs> and and it, it's like, you know, she – I don't feel like she's trying to do that to him. I feel like she looks at it from 
the responsibility aspect right. from, you know, I'm standing here holding the line with my father, with all the other masters, and I see you as the only person that has to run away every time something big is happening to this place. Yep. Why are you the prince not caring while I'm here busting my butt to protect us from Skeletor, to pr- protect us from whatever things, you know? And, and, and yeah. go, ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and it's probably what you were about to say, and about the fact of her feelings for Adam. I mean, yeah. and sitting here going, like, I'm the captain of the guard. I'm, you know, and I love this coward. Deep down inside, I won't admit it, but I have feelings yeah. for this coward. And what? how can I be with this guy? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you'll never catch her talking to He-Man in a right. way where it's like, there's always this moment where she'll say to Adam, oh, if you could only be more like He-Man. Yep. So when she says that, I never, ever for one second take it for I want He-Man. She takes it – the way she says it is I wish you could be more like someone I respect because I love you. And that's the thing about – or maybe not love, but I I care about you more than I want to let on because I don't believe you're a coward Mm -hmm. or I wish you weren't a coward. And that that little scene – I was actually really impressed by it because him just going, you know, that that isn't how I ever wanted you to view me. I thought that was a great, right. great, like that was a great, you know, he got not not visually, but he got naked for her in that moment where he's oh, like, exactly. here's who I am underneath all this stuff. I didn't mean it. Sorry. That's what and I'm now saying. we're going to die. You know? Yeah. And this and, th- and that's actually the moment. Once I read that, I'm like, OK, Tappers is dying in this issue. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I said he's he's gone finally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's what makes it, and it's those little moments throughout this issue that really feels like okay, they're getting these characters now. They're yep. That's a whole story in itself, and it doesn't say one way or another. But I've got to imagine that T or Adam didn't reveal his secret to Tila in this in this uh, in two thousand X here. Just the way it's all written, the, and maybe I'm reading more into it. I feel like it was like forced out, like as Skeletor gained control. The truth yeah. was exposed, um, and they probably, and you know, maybe even when when He Man was finally defeated and banished to his ghost form in this, you know, so just just hearing Tila and everything and the reunion that comes later, I feel like they never even got their chance as two thousand X Adam and Tila to really even explore this. So mm-hmm. this is a great emo. This scene right here makes the comment. This issue for me, it's. This is what it's about. He's getting it, you know. Yeah. And Skeletor's plan to banish the He-Man to a ghost form. So He-Man's been wandering the halls of Grayskull this whole time, unable to do anything, growing older, as you can see by the beard and everything. You know, he's... Yeah. uh, Oh, you got to wonder what what state this He-Man's even in, which allows him to get manipulated by Shadow Weaver so easily which I feel mm-hmm. is a direct result of that. Um, and here again, it plays up. I just felt the characters were finally getting right. Tim Seeley's finally finding the different characters' voices. Uh, Shadow Weaver is great to see there, and her manipulating is right in line with everything we've ever known about a Shadow Weaver. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, I, and I mean, to be honest, and, and this is just me, mm-hmm. there's something epic-looking in the the sequences where they're about to go to war here and you're seeing the entire line of Skeletor's troops. Yeah. And, and like, I I didn't notice it the first time for some reason, but 
Freaking Spike Or, dude. Yeah. I mean, look at Spike Or. Yeah. Spike Or's a mountain in this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's something that for me, like the it, it's it, it's the visuals. Uh, hold on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're good. All yeah. right. Uh, it's it's the visuals to me that yep. makes this so great. You know, like a two thousand X. And even though they didn't go with the cartoon style. Yep. You know, there, there was something great about like uh, we we just got through the Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, yeah. miniseries, yeah. and the one moment that you and I both geeked out a bit about was Tom Welling coming back for his was, moment as Clark. I was Kent. gonna I was gonna okay. bring this up too. Go uh, for go, it. Go no, for go ahead. You got it first. <laughs> the, the thing for me was seeing 2000X He Man come back, and like it, the thing too is. Each He-Man has their identifiable armor, their identifiable look, and 2000X gave us the snake armor. So when I saw the snake armor, and he has the long hair, the beard, he actually reminds me of uh, Aquaman back in the 90s when he had the harpoon hand and all that. it, It was like, when I saw that, I had to do a triple take going like, did they just put Aquaman in He-Man armor? I just, it worked for me. But there is something that just it feels like home to see that character again out of all the characters you get to see in 2000X. When I saw him, I was like, thank you. And, you know, like everything else about the issue, it's like I think the thing was the, the drama and the the fear in me was heightened now because now he's back and every issue we've seen to this point is that version of He-Man now is going to just get dusted. That's it. So, you know, like I'm sitting there going, don't do this to me, Tim Seeley. You're giving me back 2000X for one issue. Don't do this to me. And, and, and for me, it's, um, you brought up the Tom Welling, the Smallville yeah. cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Spoiler alert, if you have not watched Crisis on Infinite Earths, if you're planning to, uh, you might not want to listen to this. That scene where we find out that Clark gave up his powers, Lex apparently after all those seasons turned out to be just a good guy and a good president. Yeah. Clark felt comfortable giving up his powers forever. Like to me, once again here, I'm like, I I told you offline, that is the most Smallville ending to Smallville. Um, Because it raises you up and it disappoints you one last time. We'll string you along for 10 years. You get like 10 minutes of him in the suit. And but, then when we show him again, you find out he get rid of he, he doesn't have powers anymore, but he can still punch Lex Luthor right in the face. At least right. there's that. So <laughs> it's like it's like, but here when we hear about, and this is what I was getting at, we hear about everything that's happened between what we've seen and now. Mm-hmm. And you have to imagine it's been a it's two years he says since he's banished everybody. But you got to figure it's even a, a greater time between there, you know, Hordak coming back and everything. Like, there's yeah. been, I mean, there's probably at least a decade after the events that we last seen. Yeah. And just hearing of what transpired in that time and where they're at right here, I'm good with it. Yeah. Like, it puts me at such a peace. Like, I'm like, yes. yes. Exactly. This is an ending. This yes. is, and it's still not even really an ending because. He-Man's still alive. Skeletor's still alive. If anything, it's reset to the status quo where you could come back, you know, 
King Hiss and Hordak are banished again at the end of this issue. Yep. So they could start a 2000X comic series tomorrow, picking right up here, and it's ba- it's kind of reset everything. Skeletor's back to with just his evil warriors. He-Man's here, but now his secret's revealed, mm-hmm. and he's moving forward as King of Eternia, because like I said, we don't see King Randor. I gotta assume yeah. he's dead. Um, I'm sure they're dead at this point, yeah. And like, and him dealing with his lost time, you know, writing the world. I would watch that. I would read that. Like, I, I, it's, <laughs> I, even if I wasn't a 2000 X guy, like I am, right. that, that's a compelling enough story for me to go. Here's a he man who he knows what's been going on and he right. couldn't do anything about it. How would that make you feel? Like, I mean, yeah. there aren't many stories that I can think of off the top of my head where, you know, the hero is seeing everything that he loves getting taken away. Yep or torn from him in a way where he just can't do it. There's no way he can intercede or step in. Um, That makes that He-Man so much more compelling to think of the story potential there for me. And, and basically what it's doing and spoiler alerts, if you haven't read the eternity war yet, but it's mirroring that eternity war storyline. I was just going to say that too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which what I'll say it again, and I'm really going to get in depth when we start hitting Eternity War, which we will, because I love that series. Um, some of the earlier miniseries, not so much, but Eternity War <laughs> where it found its stride. Yes. Um, the problem with that one is, is that we didn't get any of the backstory. We went right into the end game. Yeah. With this, it's setting up 2000X to where all that still happened, all the comics, yeah. all the MYP. There's a big chunk in the middle here that they could even go back and fill in the gaps. You Which, know, Fordak uh, and King Hiss aren't defeated. They could come back again at a later date as they yeah. bust their way out of whatever dimension Skeletor banished them to. And um, uh, the the one thing about Eternity War, real quick, is they, they weren't afraid to tell those stories. Right. They went back and they started telling you stories that led to the fall of Grayskull right. in the middle of all that stuff. So you had some context. So it's like... You know, my my geekdom's going nuts going, okay, we have this as a peaceful way of saying this is how the series for the show ends. Right. Boom. But then if we pick up day one from then on, that – like you could do uh, mm-hmm. like a, even like a two or three issue arc where here's something that of the events between the show ending right. and this moment – to show here's how the masters got taken and, and put into the, right. you know, in prison. Here's, here's how Randor got killed. Here's this. And it's like, I don't want to necessarily, this, this series is already full of a lot of death anyway, right. but you know, there is elements of like, well, I love that version of Randor. That is my favorite version of yeah. Randor out of all the versions I know to this point. And he's a character I would mourn for if I got to see that story because exactly. He was he was a great leader and he was a warrior and I really like he he never once made me feel alien about the concept of this is his father and he was a he was a part of the story so you know it's like any time that you take somebody out of the mix like that I kind of want to see that I want right. to know what were the stakes they were up against that now they're not here anymore and and how about you know everyone loves doing well uh let's do a story about the hero you know we got the joker movie or i mean about the villain we got yeah. the joker movie we got the venom movie we got all this you know harley quinn's getting her own mini series you know stuff like that you know uh god 
I would read a comic where it's just Skeletor in control of Grayskull after the Masters have been banished and him fighting against Hordak and King Hiss on a regular basis. Yeah, I would too. Like, like <laughs> Hordak and King Hiss are cooking up these schemes. Like the complete flip. Yeah. Um, you know, Skeletor's assuming the He-Man role. Granted, but there could be some fun moments in that too. And I, I say fun, it's going to get dark here for a second. Sure. Um, But just think about it, like, like Hordak and King Hiss are like, well, we'll we'll take the Eternal City and we'll hold everyone hostage. And Skeletor shows up and he's just like, eh. And he just like lets all the villagers die. Exactly, yeah. Like, that's, if done right and not gratuitous, that could be a good story because you're putting that villain into the hero role, but he's not a hero at all. He does not, yeah. you can tell. Look at the land. It's all desolate. Yeah. He has not tried to throw his world or anything he is ruling it and how does that change the script mm-hmm. what's hordak and his have to come up with to even engage this ultra ultra powerful skeletor yeah well like, 2000x compelling it, yeah i agree completely and, and 2000x did a, a really good job with the idea of these ancient artifacts that's something yeah. that i absolutely love about the series because anything that they would put in like that I always felt was just it's one more brick in creating this world that to me felt very rich and it right. felt very um, it felt very ancient to me in that way. Like there was all this stuff that they brought into the modern storyline, but the sorceress would always have to do a well, this is what this is and this is yeah. why you don't want this to do what it's supposed to do or like the the lessons episode where he man's ready to go up against the Ramstone. She's like, don't do it. And he does. Right. You know, I love that he's so mad that he just does everything against what she tells him. And he's like, yeah, crap, now I know what I'm up against. So you you could even tell stories, like you're saying, King Hiss and Hordak teaming up because Skeletor now has all of these artifacts mm-hmm. at his command, and he's using them. That's his power source. But the other thing that would be interesting to me is showing how he obtains those. Yeah, You could do flashbacks to those even – and have an even richer story in that sense too. So, you know, there's the the thing that is mind blowing about this issue. And this is folks, this is why we wanted to do a another episode about this issue is this issue really does an amazing job of, it's almost like a pivot point to me of you can go any direction with this and there could be still really compelling stuff that you could draw from this mythology that they wouldn't let you do in the first two episodes or the t- first two issues of this right. because those weren't either like you said the n- new adventures wasn't completely correct the the research wasn't there and the first issue was basically setting up just anti-eternia Keldor right so Which is on, it's it, new you know it's, it's new yeah and and you know a lot of fans have a problem with new i'm not i'm singling anybody out but we, we, we i've talked about this to sean to other people we, eh. when new stuff comes out there is an initial backlash there always is um sometimes we as fans have been right sometimes i'll admit when i'm wrong sean was wrong about the 2000x series over there yeah, I was going the wrong way on this. I was, I was like, I'm, I'm a great case in point of if you want to talk to, I'm praising it all the time, and I was the guy going, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> so when it first hit. Once again, with this comic, just put down, put down the preconceived notions. No, it's not going to be exactly 
those eras and try and enjoy it for what it is. Um, this issue for me was also a pivot point. Um, it's the point, like I said, issue one was fine. Issue two, I really got dragged down because I know the new adventure story and that wasn't it. Um, this is where I'm going, okay, maybe, maybe there's something here. Maybe they've got something. Maybe they found their voice. Uh, the next three issues will tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, you know, like, like Sean said, the positives, 2000X He-Man's alive, 2000X Skeletor is alive. Uh, Anti-Attorney He-Man wanted to kill him, but then he ended up taking off before, uh, that. And, and to your point earlier about, no, Anti-Attorney He-Man hasn't really come up against anybody who's really challenged him, but this is the closest he's come. Mm-hmm. As in, he saw everybody combined here, you know, the Masters, the, you know, 87, Skeletor, and he just left. Yeah. He didn't engage them. Yeah. So you he- have to feel that there was a part of him that goes, I could probably win is it really worth it? Yeah. I might sustain some injury. You know, he's, he feels so close to this power prime, as he puts it, that he's going, it's not even, it's not worth the risk to engage these people. Exactly. And um, and I like that. I like that 2000X was put up on that level where it's the first one that's given him at least a, a pause where he's like, oh, maybe I should just get out of here. I like that. I like that a lot. And the thing is, uh, my my take on him before even starting reading the multiverse series, I looked at him as almost like a Michael Myers equivalent of He-Man where he would be this voiceless force that right. was unrelenting and he would do stuff that would probably make the typical Masters of the Universe fan go, holy crap. Yeah. Because, you know, like the quantifiable aspect of evil to me is different depending who you're talking to, because my version of evil might be a whole different version than Matt's evil might be a whole different version of, you know, whoever's evil out there. Tim Seeley's evil, Dan Frag is evil, whatever. It's, it's the idea of evil to me is something that you aren't capable of even going there because you won't go there. So here is somebody who has the ability not just to wield the power of Hell Skull, but the ability to not have any any reasons whatsoever to stop himself from using that in a way that he sees fit, not right. in a way that would be for the betterment of people. And there's just there there really is something about that that rattles me. But at the same time. You know, like he has been like Michael Myers in the sense where each time he's taken one He-Man down, he's usually taking him down one on one. So I'm I'm very curious if this uh, this issue is the beginning of us seeing something along the lines of, and, and this is where we we said that we wanted to talk about the possibilities of what might happen with this. Yeah. So it dawned well, on me. Hang on, hang on, let's, okay, let's we won't go there yet. All right, one all second. Right. I just I got okay. one. Th- I don't know if you have any more specific scenes, but one more scene. I wanna. I wanna. Okay. Okay. And it's it's the final page, obviously. It's, oh, it's the gotten, crackers. It's got a lot of grief. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, guys, let's throw it out there. Yes, it shows crackers a clown. Crackers a clown, and 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 honestly, you know who we had to blame for that. Us, the fans. 
because we have made Crackers the Clown into a thing. <laughs> and it pains me that he has because, honestly, go go search the He-Man.org forums. Go just do an internet search. I guarantee you, you will get more hits and more discussion. Granted, they're all bashing this character, but you will get more about Crackers the Clown than you will about Malaktha. Probably about Uncle Montork. Um, you know, uh, more about him than Negator, which I felt was a great two-shot Filmation villain because he had two episodes on him. Mm -hmm. Um, The Game Master. Like, there are so many great sub-characters in Filmation, but Crackers the Clown is such a bad character that he's become a thing. Yeah. So, that's why Crackers is here. Just like we said, Tappers is there because Spider-Man, Spider-Ham was popular into the Spider-Verse. That's why Crackers was here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's anything more than that. I doubt we're going to see the adventures of Crackers the Clown in the next uh, in the next issue. But he's there because he's become he's become a thing. I mean, he's he's been in classics bios. You know? <laughs> I don't even think. Well, Malakta was probably in the Shakoti bio. Yeah, I think, she, I, I think I it doubt was. Negator, I don't, and I don't follow the classics bio closely, so someone correct me if I'm wrong. Danielle, especially, if you're listening to this, I know you'll know offhand. Uh, uh, Negator, I'm sure, what, the Game Master, no, the Game Master was in one. I think, actually, Danielle did one with him in it. Uh, but Negator probably wasn't, but that's that's why he's there. And everyone's so focused on Crackers, myself included. Uh, you got the issue there, right? Mm-hmm. If you actually look down here, they're obscured... By the logo, because um, for some reason they put title pages on the last page now. But it's actually also got Squinch and Delora down there, the widgets. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I didn't even notice that until actually about five minutes ago when I flipped to this page. So, you know, and here again, the, the, the quote from Anti-Attorney He-Man, I know I've heard a lot of people talk about this. What cursed hell is this? You know, like you said, Sean, we talked privately. It's He's coming into this bright filmation, good world. Of course this is going to be, like, to him, the most evil man in the universe. Yes, what cursed hell is this? Yeah. I, it's I, Honestly, I would say the same thing if I went into the world of the Teletubbies. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, what the hell is this? It, it's, a, it, the it, thing... it's not a knock against anything. No, and... I, I here's here's the way I look at it and and you know this is just me being who I am. I started off with the Castle Grayskull box art, the mini comics, the Battle Cat box art, the right. Battle Ram box art. All of that painted Eternia as this war-torn mythic epic-looking planet that had a lot of mystery and a lot of uh, danger to it. Yep. So you know, for me in 1983, when Filmation hit, I mean, I, I make it as a joke, but it's like, you know, it's so bright and colorful the minute that it shows up on the screen. And then all of a sudden there's Orco. And initially I'm, I'm like, I'm Lubick doing what the hell is that? You know, like right. this is That's not the saying. way that, you know, it's like, this isn't painted in the way that I viewed everything to this point. And so Filmation kind of had its own 
take on all this stuff. They had a bright way of looking at it. They didn't want to make it so fiercely dark and scary that they were going to alienate children every afternoon while they're, you know, or, or traumatize them. I mean, there's other eighties properties, cartoons that did that, like transformers, the movie that traumatized kids. They didn't want to do that with he man. They were trying to make it accessible to all ages to have some fun for 20 minutes each afternoon watching this show. For me, it was the same thing as Anti-Attorney He-Man, the first yep. couple episodes of He-Man. I'm like, this, none of this matches up to anything that I was liking about this line. But that didn't make it wrong. It didn't make it that it was whatever. It, it was just, here's a different take on this. Right. Just like it's a multiverse comic. Right. So therefore, it's going to show you different aspects of these characters and different aspects of continuity that might not mesh together because it is such a stark difference from one to the next. Exactly. So, you know, like I'm, it, I, I'm not trying to say like we're right and everybody's wrong. I'm just looking at it from that's the way that it made sense to me when I saw that last page. It's like, Anti-Attorney He-Man comes from death carnage. There's like demonic stuff going on in his universe to go to filmation where it's kind of light and the br- colors are bright and there's more of a sense of fun to it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a festival going on. There's music. You see the music yeah. notes. There's read those lines from his perspective because that's what it is. The, this is his character. And he even admits the power is strong here. I am closer, ever, ever closer. Mm-hmm. He's admitting, like, this is one of them, and it's going to be. It's going to be one of the most powerful he-men he's faced. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of takes us into what we're going to. I will point out really quick, because Sean loves this. Um, I do love uh, anti-attorney he-man's eyes there. When, when we get the close-up, don't, don't, don't you? <laughs> if they were glowing, they would be even more creepy. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, uh, that's the way I looked at it. I mean, I know there's not a glow effect, but if this was animation, I guarantee yeah. you it would be that kind of glowy effect right here. And but, that's that's the way I looked at it. I go, well, Sean's got to love this. Because see, he... see, no, no, no. I, I have that weirdness about me, but the yeah. thing is... And that's why the character is unsettling to me in so many ways, because He-Man, no matter what version you have, he's usually somebody that breaks the fourth wall in certain points. He'll wink at you. He'll give you that, I got this, you know, I'm going to handle business. But he has the eyes, and the eyes are the window to the soul. And when you look at anti-attorney He-Man, who is the face of someone that should be representative of goodness, of power used correctly of someone who's going to keep you safe and who's going to protect you and you see nothing there yeah. that is so unsettling to me yes. and you got the color scheme on top of it. it's like i have him on my shelf and to this day yeah. there's an element looking at him where i'm just like i never want to meet this character <laughs> it's exactly. just oh, it's no it's he spooky. Is. He, he's soulless it, yes right there. whatever that yeah. orb of horror whatever they called it whatever that did to it man it took any atom out of there. This this is a He-Man that has no atom left. His soul mm-hmm. is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. It's frightening. He's he's powerful and oh yeah. It's like I said. Really, just try, guys. Try and just wipe your mind and read it. Read them all the way through. I find that that helps when I read. The solo issues, not as much, but like I said, every time I get a new issue, I read the buildup. Like, I can't just read issue three. I've got to read issues one and two and then three. 
That's mm-hmm. just how my mind works. I want to make sure I didn't forget anything. And these are written to be a one story. So, mm-hmm. so where do we go from here, Sean? Yeah, I I thought about it the other day, and you know I agree with you. The whole we need to have a moment where where anti attorney He Man finally says, "Oh crap!" Yeah. And now, what is going to be that moment? Is it going to be like we talked about earlier, Keldor? inheriting what he is every other universe where he's Skeletor, but having the means to go up against them because I feel like there's, there's two options here in the way that I view it. It's either you have Keldor basically becoming his own version of Skeletor and he uses whatever, like all of the things that made these other Skeletor say, well, this is what I did wrong. And he does it. The opposite way, maybe. Well, or even the way, because 2000X Skeletor, he won. So, um, and I will stop here for just one second. I'll let you go on in a second, because I, I, I'm that way, too. I actually think uh, that Keldor will have to become Skeletor to win this. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be faced with that moment, and... Uh, but I think he has to become Skeletor. I think that's what this is leading up to. He has to become Skeletor to unleash his full potential. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking that they'll take him as a Skeletor that makes the right choices. Um, but I, I do want to say that we'll see this Prince Keldor become Skeletor. He's going. He's got the white hair already. He's got a Havoc staff. He's slowly gathering the pieces and the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'll go there. So Yeah. The, the other way that I was looking at it, and this would just be me being who I am, and this is I, – I almost want to call it the end game thing yeah. for this. The end game ending mm-hmm. is I just have this thought in my head of you have anti-attorney He-Man have already laid carnage to all the different versions of mm-hmm. He-Man that he's come across. And he's there at the beginning of the mini-comics, mm-hmm. the Alcala – mini comic barbarian he-man with that version well that that's that's where i'm thinking it's going to end right. up because i have seen the covers for the next few issues i have which, not okay well the, it's, <laughs> it's, i won't i won't try to get into okay. the i know i know the one is quite interesting i think it's the final issue one it's uh it's a yeah. transformation sequence that looks kind of demonic or like yeah. Venom-ish. Oh, that, so, that one I did see. I did. Okay. I, did unfortunately. I try not to seek it out, but once in a while it does, it does, um, you know, just Facebook or whatever. I happen across it. I did see mm-hmm. that one. But uh, I don't know. There, There is a part of me that thinks, okay, I would love to have, because we had one transformation sequence in this entire book and the first yeah. issue and he dies. Yep. And, all the swords are with anti-attorney Ahim and he absorbs every single power sword and his power sword. And he keeps going from one to one, you know, he keeps going from each one. Mm-hmm. So all I keep thinking in the back of my head is I bet any money that what will happen is Keldor is maybe getting changed into Skeletor somehow. It yep. may be like the fifth issue somewhere. And it's like all hope is lost. And you have yep. Alcala, He-Man, Finding a way to get that sword back from anti-attorney He-Man. And I'm getting freaking goosebumps thinking of this right well, now. Yep, go on, and you got it. he looks at the sword and he finally says, by the power of Grayskull, because he's never said it. 
Right. He has never said it in those mini comics. It was always going into the pre the filmation era where we finally got those transformations. And he is the one that unlocks every power sword that has been swallowed mm-hmm. up by this. And maybe either he gets to get all of those He-Man's energy yep. into himself, which then is like a force to be reckoned with against anti-attorney mm-hmm. He-Man, who now would be depowered except for the power of Hell Skull. Right. Or he brings back every version of him that has died to that point, which then that's, is the most amazing on your left moment in history yes, for He-Man. Cause imagine the portals or something opening yep. the, imagine the filmation portal yeah. and those, how they transported them. And then maybe like the sorceress is the one who unlocks all those portals. Every He-Man shows up and you have like that uh, lithograph that they did in the yeah. 2000X where you have him standing there holding the sword Filmation on his right, 2000X on the left, new adventures yeah. there. And it's just the whole, we have the power and right. him charging into battle against that guy finally. Yeah, I, th- I think the I think the army of He-Men is going to come into play too. My mind, okay, my mind went the same way. It's not just me. Um, <laughs> I hope it's not quite poor. But, and maybe even that's why Keldor is here because maybe he's the one who summons – all the He-Men. Maybe he exactly. finds a way to even summon them back from before they died. Like he's he, Skeletor's manipulated time in various uh, continuities. You know, he's gone back in the past and everything. Maybe he finds a way to draw all these He-Men from before. You know, mm-hmm. they were killed before their universe was destroyed. Um, but yeah, I imagine it's going to go somewhere there as well. Uh, so and, here, and that would be awesome. Honestly, that would be. I'm going to picture Here, here's a question for you: Do you think Dolph lives or dies before the by the end of this? I think he'll live. I think. He'll See, live. I, I think. I think uh, Filmation will die, but I think he will be sacrificing himself. Probably, I, I agree I with that. I don't think he'll just be killed. I think it'll be like. The others are trying to escape, and he holds the line type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's how I'm going with it. Yeah, because uh, I, I, my head goes to a bunch of different options. It's like Dolph's lasted this long. He's up to yeah. issue three. Tapper's just got snuffed. So it's like we have basically Dolph, He-Man, and we have, uh, we have Keldor now. Yep. And that's pretty much your... A team going into everything else that's about to happen along mm-hmm. with filmation. But yeah, like if they, I, I, there's a part of me that would love to see that. I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that wants to see sure. every He-Man come back to life somehow right. and just bring it to them because they, they're owed that at this point. And there's another part of me that almost goes, I want to see something come out of left field that I wouldn't have expected. Right. But then I'm also like, Sometimes stuff like that pisses me off, though. <laughs> you know, like why didn't I, like that was something that was so out of left field. The only thing that I can think of that would that would be like crazier is we didn't get to see what happened to the Zodak force right. at the beginning of this issue. So what if you it's think, a whole? You think, th- we could, you think we could call them cosmic enforcers instead yeah. of Zodak force? But I mean, well, okay. I just came enforcers. up with that name off the top, well, of, my, no, off the top no, of my head, though. I, every time I see a group of them, I just go to Zodak force, Zodak and I thought it, it's because it, it's just 
that's it's Zodak, but it's like it's everybody dressed like Zodak, like the Green Lantern Corps. It's just my my mind goes there go, before go I go Zodak to Cosmic Enforcers. So, <sighs> but no, but um, but having them having to step in or something sure. because we don't know what happened to them. We know Spectre came through. Yeah, he got he and did. he did. Yeah, he's dead. So it's like, okay, well, what about the other ones? Are they dead and too? They and they should have made people happy. Hey, they brought Spectre in. Yeah, they killed him. They did. <laughs> you know, would you rather see 2000X He-Man die or would you rather see Spector die? Like, you know, that's, like I said earlier with the Gwildor thing, like, okay, he's he is a disposable character. You know, if you're going to kill those side characters, kill those sub-characters, you know, maybe that's why Crackers is there. Maybe Anti-Turning He-Man is going to walk up and kill him right away in the next issue. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe they, they they're maybe they're purposely doing that. And I didn't even think about this till just now when you mentioned it. Maybe maybe they're doing that on purpose. So they're like, well, how can we get a high body count but without killing off like the Tila's, the Cyclones, the Man at Arms, which mm-hmm. people get really upset when they do that. Yeah. Um, just throwing it out there. Maybe that's why they're using all these kind of joke characters and the fan hated characters because they view them as disposable. But like you said. I'm hoping, and I mentioned this last issue, so or last episode, so I won't mention it too much more. I'm hoping at the end of this that, like you said, they are brought back to life or their universes are restored. I think that's the only proper thing to do. Yeah, I, I think, it, um, and we're only on issue three out of six of them and stuff. But I, I'm not going to lie; the one thing that I really hope happens um, sometime sooner than later is they bring back a proper ongoing book because yes. I know they've been doing like the Thundercats crossover and then the injustice crossover. And now this, and you know, as much as I like that, these, these events are bringing masters into comic books one way or another. Yep. There's a part of me that's like, I just want to be with these characters again. Yes. I, I don't want a mini series to do this. I want to be able to sit and enjoy a storyline and then have it go into the yes. next storyline. And I, I really would like or, somebody, huh? Or even don't have it go into the next storyline. I mean, just have, you know, this, this arc takes care of the diamond ray of this appearance. This arc is, you know, uh, a trap jaw character arc where he goes on his own adventure. Uh, Cause even the earlier ongoing when DC had it, it was still building to the eternity war. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and all the comics seem to do it. Marvel's always going to their next event. DC's going to yep. their next crisis. I agree with you. I would love to see when this is all said and done, just a story, just an ongoing mm-hmm. that's just, that they're not trying, and, you know, maybe have a character die here or there, but not every issue or every arc or huge death and destruction. Just have the status quo. Have a He-Man versus yeah. Skeletor. Get, get, you know, fit the issues down the line and bring in King Hiss. Get down the line and bring in Shira and Hordak. You know, have those changes, but have the go for the big game. Like, just have a series. I agree with you. 100%. Yeah, I I feel like I like I like the Thundercats one more than you did, and I I didn't mind the Injustice one for the most part because as a kid, my two favorites were He Man and Superman. Anyway, so it was kind of cool to see him go head to head and stuff, but. And that felt Every, different enough to me. Like, Injustice is a different even niche corner of the DC yes, universe. Yeah. So that felt so separated to me that I can easily just like, okay, this is definitely a one shot. This has nothing to do with anything else. Exactly. But I I feel like there's 
I hate to say this because I'm not trying to undervalue the talent behind it, but I feel like there's a disposability to these stories that you don't get if you're having an ongoing series Mm -hmm. where it wants to start telling a story and whether or not you do it as it's going for a long form story or if it's, you know, like here's two or three issues devoted to this or that or whatever. I'm at the point though, where these are enough of a start and stop to go. I want to tell Let's start with issue one, and then 12 issues later, we see that's a story that played out through those 12 issues. Exactly. And not have to have a new event to do right. a new reason why we need another He-Man book at this point. Because I – you know, like it, the the He-Man story started as Superman going to Eternia, and there's yep. He-Man in the 80s. Right. And we we addressed some of that with the temple uh, – yep. or uh, to, to tempt, to the, tempt gods. the gods. So – you know, that, like that I, I want to go. That was just a marketing stunt to get people to buy that first comic because yes. Masters was relatively unknown. So, you're like, well, we'll throw Superman in there because he's our flagship character. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just I'm ready to have something where I want to like really sink my teeth into a storyline and get invested and actually get excited for each issue each month. And and have the have the changes come naturally. Like I said, build. You don't have to build up to it. Just like. It's just like an ongoing Batman or The Flash or anybody else, you know, there will be change. There will be death. There will be all story-altering moments, mm-hmm. but not where the whole series is just built to that. You know, Eternity War was built as, it was all, that whole series was built up to the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor. It was this mm-hmm. final, this do-or-die moment. Um, we don't need that all the time. No, and have it occur naturally. You know, have it build up in the background, like 2000X did. They were slowly mm-hmm. planted seeds, some of which we never saw come to fruition. Um, I mean, just do it that way. I, I 100% agree, and I, I want to say that's where this is going because since the beginning, I've said my bold prediction was at the end of this, we will have. Well, what I called the origins, He-Man. Hmm. Something's okay. going to happen here. Crisis on Infinite Earth style, where at the end it will form a new Eternia. Uh, I'm ripping off DC Comics themselves. There will be like an Eternia yeah. Prime that will reset. Like you said, it could even. It's funny because when you mentioned it, I'm like that could be that moment. It could be that moment where the Alcala He-Man gets the power sword and transforms. And mm-hmm. that creates this whole new world. Because we saw with that Origins toy line that's hitting store shelves this fall. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, the timing on this. This is no, what really that, leads uh, me to believe it. Yep. We got an Origins line hidden in fall. And we've got this series that is going through and killing off a lot of the He-Men. Yep. So... Ooh, got really quiet there. Uh, so to me, it's like, is that what this is setting up? At the end of this, is there going to be this new Eternia, which is more barbaric, but still has the power sword, the transformation, the secret identity, which is what we saw in that San Diego two-pack for the figures. It's kind of an amalgamation of some of the different canons. Well, I think the one thing that worries me about that more than anything is the the way the DC um, 
the DC comics started off with that storyline where Skeletor put the spell on everyone and then boom, they don't remember who they right. are. I almost get worried that they're going to do that again using that concept because there is a feeling that you start like the, the first thing that went through my head while you're saying that is they're on the battlefield. It's yep. like He-Man is just standing there. They defeated anti-attorney He-Man. And then all of a sudden the multiverse writes itself or whatever. Right. And the next thing that you see is him standing there holding the power sword and he's the blue tunic Prince Adam right. and there's Skeletor in front of him. And it's like, it, it's almost like you could end it with that. And it just saying, yeah. It, it, you know, instead of the end, it's saying it never ends or something right. and having it be it's Eternia. Yeah. It's an eternal thing. It's an right. eternal fight. It's an it, it'll always be this way. Exactly. And it, it like every time it ends, something happens that it just starts a, up all over again. And there's this element. Beginning. Exactly. So like there's an element of that I can appreciate to go. I, I I've never been the kind of comic collector that I want to start with issue one and go forward. But in this case, I'm ready to have an issue one and go forward and have it be devoted to not the Infinity War or not the Eternity War. Sorry, not anything else other than let's just tell this story now. Let's start and just go from there. And, you know, it's like there's so many different disparate ideas going on in this mythology that it's like, what's the one that I can latch on to and enjoy from here out? 2000X has been that happy place for me because they really went there with a lot of that stuff, but we're not going back to that probably past this issue. And I'm really sad to say that, but I believe this is our final send off. See you later, he man. And you know, we walk off into the sunset now because he's at least, you know, he's restored and Tila knows who he is. So there's that. And I, I, I hope not too, because if they're smart (laughs) and Tim Seeley actually had these ideas enough to go, well, you could go backwards and tell this, you could go forwards and tell this. You have no idea how much I'd eat up a series about that at this point, just because I'm, I'm craving it. So, all right. Well, I do have to take off now, unfortunately. Um, Yep. No problem. I think we hit a lot of things. There's a lot of good stuff to go and, uh, Hey guys, check it out. Seriously. Yep. Um, yeah, give it a shot. And until next time. Until next time.